0: Welcome to week four of Hear Me, a week full of sinister episodes for the Halloween season. You're currently listening to part two of this week's content. Make sure you have already heard part one, Yesteryear Park, before you move on to the second half of this episode. We hope that you'll appreciate this week's Halloween specials, but please keep in mind this episode includes shocking, alarming, violent, and sexual content. Previously on Hear Me. From what I gather, Jeremy saw a figure running away in the woods shortly after the murder of Alaska. Assuming it was Alaska's killer, he chased after them, until he was shot in the leg. Jeremy, can, can we, you know, talk legitimately for a moment? <laughs> uh, this is a really important issue. This is about Alaska. Alaska. So, if you want to exonerate yourself, I suggest you talk to me, Jeremy.
1: Who is this Jeremy? I am Dave Ethel Smith, marginalized female composer who far outshine my compatriots.
0: I listen to Boo Curtis's podcast. You claim that you have memory loss regarding recent events. Is that true? Welcome to Hear Me, the story of Alaska Curtis's untimely death. My name is Detective Finn Denver, and I've been commissioned to solve my first cold case homicide. You're listening to Week 4, Part 2, View from a Coffin, the second half of the fourth episode in my weekly series. This week, I bought a ticket to a small theme park in Suffolk County, Yesteryear Park, where I interviewed one of the suspects, a certain Jeremy Goldberg. It wasn't much of an interview at all, though. Jeremy refused to engage with me. He insisted that he uh, remain in character as his Victorian female persona. However, at the end of our conversation, he recommended that I visit an attraction he designed. Can I talk to you while you host uh, uh, the whatever it is, please? That would not be
1: possible, sir, but I will make myself available for parlance later this evening. In the meantime, why don't you go sneak a peek at my haunted manor? It's entitled Journey from the Crypt, a $20 entrance in addition to your original park admissions price.
0: You, uh, you designed it? It's a Dane Ethel
1: Smith original.
0: I had a few hours to kill before I could go meet Jeremy again. So without expecting much at all, I headed off to the haunted house portion of the park. I queued up between black ribbons marking the lines, all leading to a towering old building in dark purple. I immediately noticed a huge demographic change. Most of the park had been traveled by parents and children, but this attraction was different. In the socially distanced line, every six feet or so, a twenty-something-year-old would be waiting their turn, or a small friend group would be there, clustered together. It was only 4 p.m. and the line was manageable. I waited about 20 minutes as one by one people entered the Halloween attraction. Finally, I reached the front of the line, and I handed over my ticket. I was made to sign a consent form due to some of the more avant-garde aspects of the haunted house. I looked up at the dark building. The door was open for me, and I entered the doorway. Alone. The door closed behind me, and I was met with a long hallway. Dim lights revealed a burgundy, antique-looking interior. I strolled through, glancing at the walls. Over and over, the word help was spray-painted in red help, all over the walls, all over the ceiling. On the floor, it was smudged by footsteps. At the end of the hallway, there stood a plastic coffin, painted to look like wood. Next to that coffin stood a figure, a woman in a torn-up Victorian dress, wearing a plastic werewolf mask over her head. The mask was contorted into a snarl, but behind the mask... Her human eyes looked distant, bored. She pressed her fingertips beneath the coffin's lid and she pulled it open, gestured inside. I looked around and made sure I didn't have any other choice. There weren't any other exits I could see, and I stepped inside. Let me describe to you, as best I can, what the house was like. When you're inside the coffin... The smell of alcohol wipes and cleaner overwhelm your senses. Once you adjust to that, you find yourself in near darkness. It's a tight, claustrophobic environment. Your only solace is a set of holes that allow you to gaze outwards. Four slits in the coffin at eye level. From within the coffin, you can gaze out onto a scene. A number of Victorian figures walk by trying to spook you in various ways. A man in a top hat holds an axe and chases after a screaming woman. Another plastic-faced werewolf growls and shakes its snout at you. All the while, a baby's sobs come out crunchy and muffled through the speakers in the coffin. When the coffin is opened, you find yourself in a new room. The wallpaper is made to look like the night sky, Styrofoam graves decorate the floors and you're meant to navigate around them. It's at this point that the haunted house starts to become more unconventional. As you walk through the house, you start to encounter individuals in Victorian attire. I expected that zombies and werewolves and axe murderers would be approaching me and, you know, trying to scare me. Instead, ordinary people in human-like Victorian attire pretend to be having completely normal conversation. And when you approach, they look at you in horror and fear. And they scream. And they run. Uh, Is there someone behind me? No? Oh, you're just running from me. Okay, that's, that's, that's fine. Sorry, thank, yeah, okay. At the end of the hall, you find a set of stairs. And when you move up those stairs, you enter a hall of mirrors. But it isn't a real hall of mirrors at all. Actors don costumes of werewolves and zombies and others. And behind glass, they mirror your actions. They pretend they are you. They try to give you the illusion that when you look in the mirror, you're some kind of ghoul or creature. It's interesting enough to watch, even if the illusion doesn't work particularly well. In the next room, an actor looks at you, becomes horrified, and then she hangs herself. She pretends to hang herself. Oh, oh, ah. In another Victorian interior, a gentleman is chained up by the arm. He cowers when you approach. Then, when you get close enough, he saws his arm off in order to run away. What's left behind is a plastic arm without any fake blood. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, wait. Quick question. Could you come back, please, sir? Uh, or maybe someone can, can talk to me. I, I'd like to ask how I can leave, so... So where do I go to leave? If, if I'd like to leave the haunted house now? No? Nobody? I'd like to leave. Okay, I'm going into the next room. I would appreciate some consideration of how I feel right now in whatever you're about to do. So thank you in advance, okay? Thank you, thanks. Then there's the next room. It's different from all the others. A projector displays all across the room, eyes. Eyes staring at you from every angle. Every single angle. And after a moment, you look closely. And you realize that some of the eyes aren't projected. Some of them are real people, standing just beyond the wall, watching you. Okay, I'm leaving. Thank you. Did, did someone block the way I came in? Is this legal? Because at the very least, this is definitely a fire hazard and... <laughs> if I can just get this thing uh, to... Uh... <clears throat> Son of a bitch. You know, you, you really shouldn't run a business this way, okay? I'm going to step into the next room, so please be considerate. And remember, I'm a customer. Paying customer. In the second-to-last room, there stands a figure. It's a statue. It doesn't run from you. It's a waxy man with glowing red eyes and a dark hood. Okay, well... (laughs) that's that's not even scary come on I mean now 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 you're just making fun of me
1: <laughs> you've done so well aren't you glad I brought you back from the grave now you're just like me and I'm so proud of you
0: <laughs> whatever man go through the doors and see where your story ends <laughs> then the Victorian door opens up. What lays inside is not a Victorian interior. It's a hospital room. The fluorescent lights are blaring white across a modern interior of hospital beds, hospital curtains. And for a moment, it's blinding. In the center of the room, a patient lays on a hospital bed in a hospital gown and that patient is wearing another cheap plastic werewolf mask. The patient jitters and jolts every few seconds as he's prodded by unseen surgical tools. Surgeons are gathered all around in surgical masks. and They're performing an unseen surgery, revving up drills, clacking their forceps. Then, a voiceover plays. It's the voice of Jeremy.
1: You thought I didn't see you. But I did. I saw what you did, Doctor. It was very clever. Oh, it was just a mistake, wasn't it? Just a slip of the hand. Nobody suspects the doctor they trust.
0: Black blood begins to ooze from the body onto the ground.
1: But I know what you did, Doctor. You killed them all. Did you have fun? Was it? Satisfying? I know there are some days you mean to do it right, but then you get distracted, and while everyone's looking for the doctor, you're off fucking some nurse in the janitor's closet, or you're just too distracted, aren't you? And you sew up someone's leg with your wedding ring inside. Nobody's gonna do anything, doctor, but I saw you, and I'll always be watching.
0: What the fuck was that? I'm not certain what you mean. I mean that your, your haunted manner got way too specific at the end. Well, what the fuck was that? Was that code for something? Are, are, are you able to
1: speak freely? I'm as free as a bird, detective. Absolutely nothing wrong. Are you asking for my creative inspiration?
0: Yes, yeah, sure. What was your creative inspiration?
1: The attraction recounts the story of my life, from birth until now. Life is a horror show, detective. It's an absolute mess. And the art comes from the heart. I hope you don't mind if I ask your father some questions about this. Don't do that. There's no need to do that.
0: Jeremy, are you really able to speak freely? Is, is everything really okay? But
1: of course! There's nothing
0: wrong. Everything is fine.
1: Absolutely nothing to worry about. Everything is
0: perfect. I questioned Jeremy thoroughly, and he finally answered my questions. At least when I asked him about Alaska's death. It was a long-winded conversation, uh, filled with more and more historical references and unfamiliar Victorian terminology. Too much to parse through. The basic gist is that Jeremy sticks by his story. He says that he has traumatic memory loss regarding the night of Alaska's death. He's unsure of what he was doing when Alaska was murdered, which makes him the second person to have memory loss after Bobby. Jeremy corroborates that he was shot that night and had to go to the hospital, but he has no memory of being shot, nor the events leading up to it. But I continue to be haunted by those memories of the haunted house. It was corny, poorly organized, and poorly acted with cheap costumes. Yet, something about it resonated with me deeply, in that I found it deeply and profoundly Disturbing. I just remember feeling watched. And I wonder what Jeremy meant when he said, Life is a horror show. I don't know who Jeremy is. I don't know what he's lived through. But I don't want to step into his shoes ever again. I don't want to feel like Such a monster. Thank you for listening to Hear Me, a podcast by The Ghost Factory. This episode has featured music by The Color Negative and by The Ghost Factory. Hear Me is now switching to a new upload schedule. New episodes will come out every other Tuesday at 4 a.m. EST. Mark your calendar for the Tuesday after next, and thank you for listening.